Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Bishop Jeff Chavis. Amen. And uh, uh, thank the Lord for the ministry of over 50 years in the work of God. Many souls have been touched by this great man of God and his precious wife and the input into people's lives. That's what it's all about. And thank the Lord for that. And um, we want him to come here today and minister the word but he's going to minister the word if we get behind him. Amen. How many? How many are Pentecostal here today? Amen. How many know how to say Amen? How many knows how to say Hallelujah? Amen. We're going to get behind him today. God bless you, Brother Chavis. Thank you for your friendship. Amen. We just appreciate you being you. Love you. Love you too. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let me say it's an honor to be here today with your pastor and his wife, tremendous, tremendous folks. We met them several years ago in all places on a cruise ship. And uh, we need to go on another cruise. Uh, we need to go on one about every six months. <laughs> but we... Uh, just fell in love with one another and just had a great friendship through the years. And it's our first time here, so we're very excited. So we thank God for them. This great church, and uh, this is awesome. Amen. Give the Lord a hand praise for it. Amen. So it is good to be here, and... Uh, we're excited about it, what God is doing in these last days, amen? And I've got a little bit of a cold, so I'm going to try to keep it all together. We stayed in a hotel up in the mountains of North Carolina, coming out here, and I had the air conditioner set, but somewhere she gets up and changes it, and she puts it on ice cold said she didn't do it, but I know she did. <laughs> anyway, we woke up about four o'clock in the morning. There was icicles hanging in the, in the room. And then we both woke up with colds from that. I blame it on her. Oh, we're just very thankful. Amen. I love her. We won't get into all that. But I'm glad she's here with me today. Amen. Very exciting time. So, Pastor Burke, thank you for having us. We're very thankful to be here and appreciate you and your wife. I didn't know you could sing like that. Lead and worship, I used to do that until court got where he could, and then I never did it anymore. But uh, I, was, I was shocked. Get down, praise God. 
All right, First Samuel chapter 21. I'd like to begin reading in verse 3, and I'll read through verse 9. First Samuel chapter 21. Now therefore, what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, for what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread. If the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have, not, have been kept from us about these three days. Since I came out, the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common. Yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessels. So the priest gave him the hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the showbread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doag, on uh, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, Is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapon with me, because the king's business required haste. The priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, if thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it me. This morning I've been preaching for a few moments on this subject. The weapon of worship. Amen. You know, one of the most powerful weapons we have against hell and Satan himself is our ability to worship him. And if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost today, we have a right to worship our God, to lift him up, to magnify his name, to glorify him in all situations of life. It has become my greatest weapon, amen, in the battle of the hour that we're living today. So I want you to keep that in mind as I preach to us just here for a little while, the weapon of worship. Pastor Burt, would you pray? Man, give the Lord a hand, praise. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. David is running for his life. He's running from Saul. We, we've heard the story many times. Saul is thousands. David is ten thousands, which brought a spirit of jealousy upon the king. And deciding through all of this that David had to go. He was going to kill David. He was going to get him out of his life. And David is running, and he runs to the house of God. 
I would submit to you today, if you're in any kind of trouble spiritually, one of the greatest places to go is to the house of God. Amen. We come to the church of the living God. We seek out the man of God to get direction for whatever trouble that we're in and knowing that God's going to take care of us. So if we're going to run, we don't need to run to the world. We don't need to run to friends that's just going to pat us on the back and say, well, just pray about it, this or that. Run to the house of God where you can get the help that you truly need. Amen. I don't understand or, or, or can say that I know the, the heart and the mind of David when he was running from Saul, but he did have enough sense to run to the house of God, the tabernacle of God, and to seek out the priest. And there he's, he's asking for bread. Now, we understand that this is hallowed bread. It's the show bread, and every week it's changed out, and uh, new bread is brought in, and the old bread is for the priests, amen, to eat or whatever, but when David come, he, he, he tells the priest, we're hungry, we need, uh, we need food, uh, give us the bread. David made one mistake when he referred to the bread as just being common. You see, it was not for David or for his men. It was for the priest. And we'll find out later that because that Ahimelech gave him the bread, amen, David suddenly realized, I have made a mistake. This, this is not right. Uh, amen. If you read in Matthew, amen, tells us uh, that David had regrets about what he'd done. And according to the word of God, he should not have done what he did. And then he calls it common. That is somewhat common. But that bread was never common. Even after it was taken up and, and new bread was in its place, it had a reason and it had a purpose. And then David says to the priest, do you have a weapon? Ahimelech said, yes, I do have the sword of Goliath. And, and you need to pay attention to this right here. He said, it's over here, wrapped in a cloth, under the ephod. Now that brings us to a situation and let me try to explain a little bit. The ephod was a garment of praise that was worn by the priest. You'll read in scripture that Samuel also wore an ephod every once in a while and if you remember when David went to bring the ark in, he wore an ephod because it was a garment of worship. It was a garment of praise and they wore that Amen. To signify, and I, I am worshiping my God, amen, at all times. Now, if we go back and look at the sword, it represented victory. And we understand David, when he slew Goliath, he took that sword, cut his head off, the Philistines ran, and there was great victory that day, not only for Israel, but for David also. Amen. And, and it's, the sword represents victory. The sword is a witness that God is always with us and when we need him, that's what the sword represents. Now spiritually, we look at the sword as the word of God. Amen. And, and you just can't cover this up and lay it down somewhere. We need this in our life because this is the witness that we all need in the hour that we're living right now. The word, the sword is a statement that God is greater than our opposition. Amen. And we need to really think about that. Some of us are waiting for God to give us victory. And what God is waiting for is for us to worship so he can give us victory. 
I'm telling you, we're living in a time where apostolic people, amen, is getting away from worship, but I tell you today, if we're gonna worship now, is the time to worship like we never have before. If we need something from God, we need to learn how to worship. If we need a move of God in our life, we need to learn how to worship. Come on, saints of God. We have to get off the pews. We have to lift our hands. We have to shout. We have to stomp our feet and let all hell know I still got a weapon to use against you and God will see me through if I will worship him. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. We can't sit around and just wait for God to bless us. We need to earn that blessing. We need to worship our way into it. We're going through things in our life and we all do. We all have some drama every once in a while in our life. But I'm telling you right now, your weapon is worship. Because when we worship, Satan can't handle that. And the reason he can't handle that is because he got kicked out. And he was the worshiping angel. He was in charge of worship. He was the song leader of heaven. Amen. And, and he just got too big and decided we don't have to do this anymore. Amen. So now when we worship, it just makes him mad and he has to get out. He can't stay in the house when you worship him. He's got to go. He can't stay. The sword is very important and a symbol in our life. We used to sing, our choir used to sing years ago a song that basically said, don't wait till the battle's over. Shout now. Yeah, I believe that. I don't think we should wait till we're down at the bottom. I don't think we should wait till everything's falling apart. We should never wait, amen, when, when we just feel like we've lost everything, we've lost our best friend and everything's gone. We don't wait till then. As soon as you realize you're in trouble, Start worshiping God. As soon as you realize, hey, I'm going down, it ain't working the way I want it to work, just start worshiping God and everything will be all right. I don't care what's going on in your life today. I don't care what you're going through. But if you put on the garment of praise, it'll change. Now, the ephod is a true weapon, a sword. The sword was made by man. And we pick it up and we use it. If we look at the sword of David, it was a man-made tool and David used it. But the ephod was not a man-made tool. The ephod had a different reference because it was the garment of praise and only the priest could wear it in the tabernacle. But now when you read the scripture here, you're going to find that the priest took off the ephod. So you have to ask yourself, why is he in the temple without the ephod on? Because he had to wear the ephod when he's in the temple. And if he didn't, amen, things weren't happening right and, and things was kind of out of order. So here we find a situation where it's out of order. Amen. He's taken off his ephod and he's covered up Amen, the sword of Goliath. Now my point to us today is this. In order for David, amen, to get victory in his life, he had to go and he had to pick up the ephod. 
And the only way he could get the sword, he had to pick up the garment of praise. I'm saying to somebody today, the only way you're gonna have victory today, amen, is when you walk in and take up the ephod, amen, take up the garment of praise and begin to worship God like you never have before. And when you do that, victory will come into your life. I'm telling you, church, we need victory today like we never have. We've been through some things over the last several months. We've struggled through some things, but God's still got a church and we still got a church that's gonna worship him and praise him and lift him up no matter. I don't care what you're going through. Amen, worship God. Pick up the garment of praise. And if you'll pick it up, come on, somehow. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. Listen to me. If there's one thing that apostolic people, amen, and, and, and church, It could be you as well as anybody else. Every time we get in a little storm, we want to take off our praise. We get a little huffy, we get a little puffy. We get upset with the man of God because something he preached. We get upset with a brother or sister because something said here or there that we didn't like. And the first thing we do is we take off our worship. And anytime you take off your worship, you cover up your blessing. And the only way that blessing is going to come, you got to come back and pick up your praise. You got to pick up the karma. You got to pick up the ephod if you want God to move in your life. Amen. It don't happen because we want it to. We can't sit around and just wait for it to happen. We pick up our worship. We pick up our praise. And we begin to thank God for his goodness. We thank God for his mercy. We thank God for all the great things he's done in our life. When you pick it up, you have victory. Come on, somebody. I've never seen the time when people come to church, something they don't like, they'll get over on the corner somewhere and sit back, fold their arms. Ain't no worship left in them. How many times have you seen it? How many times have you seen people when there's a little storm going on, a little drama in their life, they quit worshiping God. And they, they sit on the pew. Message after message, sermon after sermon, song after song. A move of God here, a move of God there, but yet they're dead. There's no worship, there's no praise in them. It's because when you took that praise off, and laid it down, you covered up the victory in your life. Mm. And Satan, he's just happy as a lark. When you stop worshiping God, Satan's just tickled to death. He gets over in the corner and laughs at you and says, look, they ain't got no praise in them now. That means they ain't got no power. the name of Jesus don't mean anything to them anymore because they ain't worshiping him anymore. They've laid it down. They're through. And no victory. You watch people get lower and lower and lower. And eventually, some of them just walk away. 
and never pick up their worship again. Never stop to do it. The thing about David, if you read the story, in order for David to get the victory, because that sword represented victory, he had to pick up the garment of praise. Somebody clap your hands. There's all kind of troubles in our life that we go through. Sometimes we have uh, car troubles, we have people troubles, we have financial problems that we go through. Our husband's acting up or our wife's acting up. Things just ain't going the way it needs to go. My kids are being stupid in the whole nine yards. Uh, everything that we go through in life, that's what we go through. Come on, somebody. And every day it's some kind of drama. Amen. I've passed it all these years. I've, I've seen everything in the book. I've, I've heard every excuse in the book. Why people can't do this? Why I can't come to church and worship? Why this or why that? Uh, but I'm telling somebody today, never lay down your praise. Never stop worshiping God. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care who says what to you. I don't care what the preacher preaches that you didn't like or you felt like he was picking on you. Worship God anyway because he's the man of God. Worship God. Continue to worship God and God will see you through. He'll not leave you hanging. We serve a great God. Mm, come on, somebody. You know, the tabernacle was made of animal skins. That was sacrifices of days gone by. Now, you think about it. The altar of burnt offerings was says fresh sacrifice had to be made. We can't live on yesterday's blessings. We can't live on the anointing of yesterday. Amen. His mercies are new every morning, so every day we need a new touch of God in our life. We can't hang on what happened last week in revival. We can't hang on the message, amen, that your pastor preached last week. Amen, this is Wednesday, this is Thursday. I need something new. I need something powerful. His mercies are there every day of our life. They're new. Woo. Mm. The brazen later was a time of cleansing in our lives. Then he entered into the holy place. And only then, could the priest enter into the Holy of Holies after he had done all the worship? Only then. You see, because the priest didn't go in and get everything. He had to worship before he got in. And because he did, that's why the atonement of sin was made. And we need to understand that we need the worship in our lives. It's our weapon. It's our tool against the enemy. It's our, it's our tool. It's our weapon against all the things that come against us. And the enemy comes against us all the time. But that weapon is what we need to survive whatever storm is coming. Mm. I'm reminded when Paul Silas was in prison. The inner prison in chains and fetters. They were strapped to the floor. They're looking at, at losing their heads. They're going through it. It's their midnight hour. How many's ever been in your midnight hour? 
You see, that's the moment when everything's totally gone dark. That's the moment when you ain't got nowhere to go. That's the moment. Who am I going to talk to? How am I going to get through this? It's the midnight hour. I've been in some of them times. My son is pastoring my church right now when he was four years old. We'd build a new building. They took a big dozer and pushed this 80-foot-tall pine tree over. You talk about a dark hour. One of the men had a big chainsaw and he was cutting the stump off that tree. And when he, when that saw went through that tree, that tree decided it was going to roll over. And when it did, he rolled over on my son and me. He weren't even supposed to be there. We were supposed to be in the house with his mom, but somehow he slipped out. And it slapped me in the back and just slapped me to the ground. And between me and him, where a limb had broke off, it went about that deep into the ground. Just gouged into the ground. And there he was, just on the other side. But it caught him on the back and shoved him down on his knees and ravished his little body. Crushed us. One lungs collapsed, the other pressing against the heart. Everything down here came through his esophagus right up, right up into his chest area. Blood pores was coming out of his skin. All kind of stuff was coming out of him. That was a midnight hour. You talk about bad. It was bad. Two men was standing there when that all that happened. There was two men. Pastor Burke picked that tree up. Two. It was estimated at 3,000 pounds. Those two men, they were both Air Force men, picked that tree up, and when they did, I crawled from under the tree because it had me pinned down, and I got him from under the tree, but he weren't breathing. I remember like it was yesterday. I had a cap on. I took that cap off. I slung it on the ground. I said, God, you are not going to take my son today. You cannot have him. And I was, I was upset. I was angry with God. I slammed it on the ground. I said, God, you ain't taking my son today. No, it ain't going to happen. Got him in the car, started to the hospital. The whole electrical system on the car went, went out, no lights. We're going down the interstate 100 miles an hour. And the God's honest truth. The man in the back seat holding my son was a sinner. He's speaking in tongues. God gives him the Holy Ghost in the back seat. The guy driving the car, he's got both hands through the sunroof and the car's just going. There ain't nobody driving it. And Brock opens his eyes and speaks. Now to this point, we think he's dead. We're just rushing to see if anything can be done. He opens his eyes. He says, Dad, I'm going to be all right. We get to the hospital. 
We pull into the emergency ramp. There's a surgeon standing there taking a break. He opens the car door. Nobody even talks to him. He gets in with a pair of scissors. He's cutting his clothes off, takes him straight to surgery. He looks at me and said, uh, your son's in bad shape. He's got to have surgery. He's got to have it now. I'm not even going to wait for you to sign papers. Just go somewhere and bring papers to you. They brought him into surgery. By this time, my wife is there. Pastor Jesse Williams is there. I'm, I'm a basket case. I don't know what to do, and I'm just praying. I'm just worshiping God. Say, God, you got to help me. you got to do something. It was my midnight hour. By the time she gets there, the surgeon comes out. After four and a half hours of surgery, he said, I've done all I can do with my hands. If you know how to pray, you need to go somewhere and pray. And that's what we did. We went and began to pray and began to worship God. He come back to the room hours later, took new x-rays. He's standing in the hallway at the emergency, I mean the intensive care ward. He's looking at x-rays. He's got them up. I walk over to him. He says, this is what your son looked like when, when he came in. This one here is what it looks like when I finished. This one here is the ones I just took. He turns and walks away. He never says another word. I catch up to him down the hallway. He put his arm around me. He said, I want you to know somebody's worked on your son besides me. Brother Burke, that was at midnight. When all that took place, that was at midnight. God had already done the work. And then when Paul and Silas, when it was all over, they began to sing praises. They began to worship God. Woo, come on, somebody. I don't care what you're going through. You've got the weapon of praise and you need to get on your feet and shout the glory of God. Somebody needs to dance in the spirit. Somebody needs to magnify the name of the Lord. Oh, come on. Whatever you're going through, God will get you through it. God will take care of you. God will bless you. Woo, come on, somebody. Woo, God healed the bones. Amen, we took him to the bone doctor and looked at him and said, I don't know what happened, but that's brand new bone in your son's leg. He was in a body cast. He said, I can't take the cast off, but there ain't nothing wrong with him. We brought him home in a body cast. Amen, he never stopped. He started playing and wrestling with his brother. Amen, in that body cast, he broke the pins that were through his legs. We had to take him back, and they took it all off because he didn't need it. God had healed him. By the midnight hour, God had healed and done everything. This morning, amen, he's preaching in a pulpit today. He's 43 years old and he's still here. The doctor said, if he lives through the night, I'll give him a 50% chance. If he lives through the night, in the morning, I'll give him 50%. But when morning comes, He's talking. He said he's probably going to have to wear a colostomy bag the rest of his life. But come morning, his bowels are moving. Everything's working. He said it's going to be one of many surgeries. He only had one. What God can do. I'm telling you, when you worship God, he'll come through somehow, some way. It's your greatest weapon. Don't look for anything else.
take the word of God and begin to pray and God will change things. Woo. Several years ago, we had a lady in our church. She visited our church. She was in a wheelchair. She was crippled. She had a nurse that stayed with her all the time. And uh, so during the altar call, one of the ushers wheeled her up. And this arm here was twisted and mangled. And it laid on a platform that was built on the, uh, the wheelchair. And this leg was totally mangled, turned backwards, and it stayed stretched out on another little platform out of the wheelchair. And she come, she said, I want the Holy Ghost. She could talk good, she just was crippled. While we were praying for her, God gave her the Holy Ghost. And this is the God's honest truth that hand that was all twisted and mangled started moving. She couldn't even move it. It started moving. She started flexing, and God completely healed that hand while I'm looking at it. She said, I want to be baptized. We got her in the baptistry. Had to pick her up, put her in the baptistry. She come out of the baptistry speaking in tongues, and at the same time, God straightened that leg out. He healed it. Now, listen to this. This is the power of worship. When we got her out of that baptistry, she's soaking wet. She jumps up, starts running, and for two solid hours, she ran around that sanctuary. <laughs> two hours. I'm gonna tell you how long it was. We went to lunch and come back, she's still running. She's still running and worshiping, thanking God for her healing. There's something about that midnight hour. Paul and Silas sang, amen, and the prison doors fell open. Amen, the chains and fetters fell off. And they looked at them and said, hey, don't, don't, get, don't get too worried, we're still here. You know the story, they baptized. The weapon of worship. I'm reminded of, and I'm getting ready to close, I'm reminded of Elijah on Carmel. He gave the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the Grove, 850 of them. He gave them their opportunity. Y'all come on out here, y'all. Just worship your God. Do, do whatever. And hour after hour, nothing's happening Baal ain't doing nothing. Elijah begins to mock him. Where's your God? Is he on vacation? Is he gone somewhere? But after a while, by the time the evening's, evening sacrifice come, Elijah said, all right, boys, it's my turn. He soaks that altar down, rebuilds it, soaks it down with one of the scarcest things in the land. The family was no water. They soak it down. And he just begins to worship and praise God. Only 66 words. And God 
answers by fire. Just comes down, licks up the water, consumes the sacrifice, burns the altar down. Something about God when his people worship him. Mm. Through the years, I don't know how many times I've told saints. I had one sister look at me and she was going through something. And, you know, I'm trying to help her. And she looks at me and said, don't tell me to just go pray. That's what I hear all the time. Just pray. How many times you heard that? I said, no, I don't want you to pray. Don't go home and spend hours praying. I want you to go home and just start worshiping God. Just worship. Get up and dance with joy. Leap for joy. And while you're doing it, just tell God what your problem is. I get a call later. God took care of my problem. He wiped it out. I had a brother come to me. He owed the IRS 16 grand. He didn't have the money to pay it. I knew he didn't have the money. He said, what did I do? I said, well, there's one thing for sure. I don't have the money to give you. And I know they're coming against you. They're writing your letters. They're going to take this. They're going to do all this. I said, go home tonight after service and just start worshiping God. Thanking God for what you have. And he'd done that for two or three days. He'd come by and said, Pastor, I'm still worshiping God. I'm thanking God. That Wednesday night he'd come back. He said, I got a letter today from the IRS. Instead of 16,000, it's only 600. I said, that ain't good enough. You go home, you worship some more. You keep worshiping. He come back on Sunday with a letter. He hands me the letter and says, I want you to read this. I read the letter and the IRS said, we've made a gross mistake. Your balance is zero. Saying to God, I don't, it doesn't matter what you're going through in life, how you struggle with whatever dilemma you have, whatever your situation is. You have a weapon that you can use. And that weapon has been tried, it's been through the fire, it's been through the flood. It's been through everything imaginable and it still has power today. And that is the weapon of worship. And I love to worship. But I have found that through my worship, God always comes through. He saves. Come on, somebody. I remember seeking for the Holy Ghost. I remember one of the things they said. Just worship him. And I did. I didn't know much about it. 
didn't really know how to worship. But I knew everybody was saying Jesus, so I started saying Jesus. And the Holy Ghost came into my life that night, and I've served him ever since. And any time I'm in trouble, any time there's a storm, I just worship the Lord. Because I've learned it is my greatest weapon in the world that I live in today. Stand with me right now. My life hasn't always been where I am now. Being raised in a very highly racial atmosphere. I was 15 years old before I was ever allowed to go to town with my father. Because we were native, we weren't welcome. Billboard signs that don't let the sun go down on you here. Raised in a native community, anytime we left that community, it was, it was terrible. And that's when you talk about that bitterness. And even when I come to God, I had to still deal with that, that pain of being who you are. You can't change the color of your skin. But I suddenly realized I am who I am because of him. So I'm just going to worship him until everything changed. And God not only changed me, but he changed a lot of other people as well. And now I am where I am today simply because of the love of God. Nothing I did because I had to fight the bitterness. Pastor Burke, I wanted to quit. I don't know how many times I just, I'm going home. I ain't coming back to nothing. They, these folks just don't love me. They treat me wrong. You have to deal with that. I'd go home and cry. She'd get a hold of me and say, get a hold of yourself. I said, babe, that's, it's hard dealing with that. People look at you and call your name because your skin ain't the right color. But I learned to worship God. And that's what got me through it. When I took the church that I pastored all those years, the first thing I told God, I said, Lord, I don't care who walks through those doors. I'm going to love them. I'm going to treat them. I don't care what color, race, creed they are. I'm going to love them. And I'm telling you I did. Before I knew it, Brother Burke sitting on our pews today is, is about 33 different cultures of people. <laughs> 33 countries that I preached through week after week after week, seeing God fill them with the Holy Ghost, having them worship. I had one African American young lady, she was in the military. She was a cook. She got the Holy Ghost in, in uh, Iraq. 
one of our men was in Iraq. He baptized in Jesus' name in Iraq. He baptized 52 people there. And when the war was over, they all came back. This young lady come to church. She had on cook whites, combat boots, shine like you could see your face in them. But her hair was going in 40 different directions. Unbelievable. Her name was Tracy. And that girl would worship God like you wouldn't believe. She'd, I'd be preaching, she'd jump up and run up to the, to the podium and, and she didn't know how to say amen, hallelujah. She didn't understand. She would run up there and shout, grits and gravy. <laughs> grits and gravy. Every time I turn around, she's hollering, grits and gravy. And she just worshiping. Just, I mean, everywhere, shouting all over the place. And could sing. She eventually started singing with our choir, and I'm telling you, she could bring the house down by herself. But she never could do anything without her. <laughs> we loved her to death. And something about that worship. I had a couple of the elderly ladies come to me. One in particular, she really wanted, she's probably about my age. She come to me one service and said, Pastor, don't you think that's a little too much? Don't you need, you need to talk to her a little bit? Well, I'll be honest with you, the devil got in me. I got mad. I pointed my finger at her. I said, let me tell you something. Don't you say a word to her. I said, you leave her alone. She's a new convert. She don't know how to say amen, hallelujah. She, she didn't understand all that. But she, she just identified with what was good and that was grits and gravy. <laughs> After a while, it was collard greens and fat back. And that's all she could relate it all to. But she was a worshiper. I told those ladies, I said, if you say anything to her, I'll run you out of here. I'll, I'll disfellowship you. You leave her alone. I said, if you want to do something, get up and shout with her. Yeah. Well, that solved that problem right there. Amen. It was Tracy Watson. She's still serving God today. Baptized in a water tank in the desert of Iraq. What God can do when people worship him. Lift your hands all over the building right now. Come on, somebody worship him. Come on, somebody needs to pick up the garment of praise. Somebody needs to come and pick up the ephod. Somebody needs to come and pick up the ephod so you can find your victory. So you can find your victory. I live, I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship Come on, somebody pick it up. Pick I up live, your worship. Pick up your praise. You. Pick up your worship. Pick up your praise. 
worship you. I live. Come on, lift them hands, shout to, to the Lord. I live, I live to worship you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, shout unto the Lord. He is worthy of your praise today. We need to worship him. We need to worship him. No matter what you're going through, worship him. Worship him. Worship him. 